Masechet Nedarim Daf Kaf Chet. We begin with a fascinating Mishnah, uh, and this is going to get into the issue of Dina de Malchuta Dina. Mishnah teaches Nodrin leHadagin veLeCharamin veLamochsin Shehi Teruma Afapi Sheeno Teruma Shehen Shel Bet Hamelech Afapi Sheenan Shel Bet Hamelech. One may take a vow to murderers and to robbers and to tax collectors, and you can lie to them and even make a vow and say, this food that you are trying to steal is actually tiruma. Even though it's not tiruma, it's permitted to lie, and it's permitted to make a vow uh, in that lie. Because these people, uh, the, the, the murderers, they're going to come say, you know, give me all your food, or else I'll kill you. Well, you want to save your life. Well, you could give him the food. But the point is that um, this kind of murderer, even though he's a murderer and this one's a robber, and so they're evil people, even these evil people, they're Jewish, and if they uh, if you tell them it's tiruma, they're going to not eat it. They're very careful with tiruma. They wouldn't violate that. Kill people, no problem. Tiruma, they would never eat. Okay, people are funny, but there are such people like that. And so, um, in order to save your own property and to save your life, you're allowed to make a vow. And this is a type of vow that everybody knows that you don't mean it. You know you're not meaning it. And so, just like the ones before, when if someone says something as an exaggeration uh, or um, under false pretenses or shigaga uh, or to encourage someone to do that. So, this is yet another type of vow that's obvious that you don't mean it but you're saying it only to get this murderer or robber out of your way. All right, now this Mohsin, the tax collectors, uh, this is referring to, uh, this is what the government is going to ask about, don't you have to pay tax? So you have to understand that taxes in those days, a uh, king would not go himself or have government officials collecting taxes generally, but rather would farm it out to, uh, you know, Mr. Corleone or whoever uh, said, uh, gave a highest bid and said, you know, me and my company will go to collect the tax for you. And in that case, they would collect the tax and then give it over, uh, give part of it over to the king. Uh, but the, the tax collector might overburden and collect more than he, more than he was allowed to, or take more for himself than he was permitted to. So that's why it talks about the tax collector here. Chadamin, it could be a robber, it could be some kinds of some kind of uh, a corrupt customs official. All right, so you can tell them that it's Tiruma. Or you can make a different kind of vow. You could say, oh, this belongs to the king. I'm just holding it here for him, but it's something I already gave to the king, uh, or he gave it to me to hold. And so therefore, don't take it because it belongs to the king. And that way, the murderer or the robber are not going to take it because then the king's people will come after him and says, oh, hey, you have the king's property, and you're allowed to make a, sw uh, make a false vow that is the king's property in order to save it, to save your own property, and uh, then that's fine. Bet Shammai Omerim Bakol Nodrin, Bet Shammai agrees that you can make a neder, chutz me b'shevu'ah, but you can't make a shevu'ah. So you can make any type of neder, you can make a neder, if this, if this is not teruma, then I should be prohibited from eating bread. Uh, from uh, I'll be prohibited from my wife if this is not not teruma. So you can make any kind of ned that you want. That's fine. But shivua is more stringent, and so Bet Shemai says don't make a shivua. Bet Hillel says yeah, you could do make a shivua also since it's a false one. Everybody knows that you and you know that you don't mean it. You can even make a false vow, and you could say. 
um, either as a condition or according to me, you can even say it outright. You can say, I make a shivua that this is tiruma, <clears throat> and that's permitted according to Bet Hillel. Another machloket, Bet Shemai Omrim, lo yiftach lo baneder. Bet Hillel Omrim, af yiftach lo baneder. Bet Shemai says, you're not allowed to initiate a, a false vow. Only if the robber asks, tells you, you say, oh, this is tiruma, don't, you don't, you don't want this. He says, it's tiruma, take a vow. If he initiates and asks you to take a vow, then you could take a vow, but you can't initiate on your own. Betilel says, the robber comes and says, give me that. You can even initiate, he says, I take a vow that this is teruma, and that way he'll go away. It's more convincing, actually, if you initiate it, so Betilel permits it. Betilel says, even if the guy tells you, make a vow, you can, if he says, make a vow, a certain kind of vow, you can only make that certain kind of vow. You can't add more to it. Betilel says, Eve, you can add more to your vow, even what he didn't ask you to. So it's a continuation of the previous machloket. Here's an example, Kesad. The robber says, if this is really teruma, then you make a vow and say, if this is not teruma, then my wife will be prohibited for, to me. Um, benefiting from me is prohibited for my wife, right? Or my wife will be prohibited, I will be prohibited to my wife um, if it's not teruma. The robber asks you to say that. And then the person adds more. And says, not only my wife, my children also will be prohibited to have any benefit from me if this is not teruma. And so Betilel says that's permitted because now by adding it, the the uh, person sounds even more convincing, right? He'll add more, right? I'll add, you know, by the life of my mother, by my mother-in-law too, add more. Okay. Bet Shammai Omerim ishto muteret ubanav asurin. Bet Hillel Omerim elu va'elu mutarin. Bet Shammai says, no, if the robber asks you to make a vow, um, uh, regarding your wife, then that, then, and then you add and say, I'm not going to have benefit to give my, give benefit to my wife or my children if this is not Tiruma, um, and he's, he's lying. Well, in that case, the wife is permitted because that the robber asks, asked you to make a vow regarding your wife and you did so and you didn't mean it. So that's permitted. But the children, According to Bet Shammai, you added that in on your own. The robber didn't ask you. Since you added that on your own, that that vow is valid, and the children will be prohibited. Bet Hillel, however, says, Bet Hillel, everybody's permitted. The whole vow, first of all, because if you, if part of a vow is undone, then the whole vow is undone, as we had said before. But in this case, even you can even say that to begin with, he never meant the entire vow. It's obvious from the context that he did not mean it, and therefore the whole thing, it was never valid. All right, fascinating, uh, fascinating case. In the Mishnah, the Gemara is going to ask, V'ha'amar Shemuel dina de malchuta dina. The law of the king is, the, uh, of the kingdom is the law. Uh, it doesn't matter whether, where, where you are, uh, any country that you're in, the king has a right to collect taxes. In most uh, countries in the olden days, they thought the king owns the whole country and therefore you're paying rent and the landlord can uh, ask, ask, ask you whatever you want. Uh, so, and certainly in, uh, in a democracy where people make their own laws and decide and people have a, a right uh, to, to live and uh, the democracy is fair, 
uh, then certainly the law of the land is the land. Uh, the law of the the law of the land is the law. And so Shemuel says, well, "We're about the tax collector. Doesn't tax collectors collecting money on behalf of the king? And so a person has to pay. How could you lie to get out of taxes? You must pay taxes." Some some say that this law is mideoraita. Um, answer is No, we're talking about a tax collector who has no fixed amount. Uh, the way that the way that it worked is the king would say, who can collect tax, the most taxes for me? Right? So the, this guy says, I'll collect for you um, $1 million. And then uh, Mr. Corleone says, I can get for you a million and a half. So the king says, okay, great. You got, you have the contract, a million and a half. Now, Mr. Corleone, he just has to raise um, enough money to pay the king a million and a half, but he also gets a fee for on, on his own, so he can extract more. And in fact, he can extract as much as he wants if he wants to go around and make people pay double so that he can keep a million and a half, and then he gives to the king a million and a half, he does that. So you see that the tax collector, yeah, while the, while the base amount of what he's giving to the king is legitimate, dina de malchuta, dina, he has to pay that, but the rest is just extortion. That, uh, that the tax collector is just using his, uh, his authority, his threat of violence, to take whatever he decides. So this is stealing, this is not fair, and therefore does not have, therefore a person can make a vow and get out of, um, get out of this payment to the tax collector. That's what we're talking about. Or a different case. Tax collector is collecting on his own. In other words, he's not authorized by the king to go and collect taxes. So be like an actual, you know, mafia people who are collecting protection money from you, right? Uh, protection from who? Protection from themselves so that they won't uh, go and, um, and burn down your store. Um, so this is illegitimate authority, and therefore it is permitted. Um, interestingly, based on this discussion, uh, some poskim say that if a if uh, if you're in a government, if you're in some country where the taxes are not fair, uh, where they collect more taxes from Jews than for than from anyone else or a certain group, and uh, it's distributed unfairly, uh, then it's uh, then one is permitted to avoid paying taxes, but. Of course, in a place where the taxes are um, are uh, uh, legislated fairly, then it is a probably a deoraita obligation to pay taxes, and it will be prohibited from uh, lying or doing anything to avoid paying those taxes. Okay. Okay. The next case was. When he says, I make a vow that this is uh, the king's property, and uh, so that the robber won't take it. Okay, now, uh, in general, we're going to ask a question. How, how can you make a neder that this is terumah, uh, or that this is uh, this does belong to the king? Right? You can make a shivu'ah that this belongs to the king, but a neder, a neder, you can only create a prohibition. So how exactly will you um, uh, um, announce that this is terumah, or this belongs to the king through the language of a neder. You make it as a condition that if this is not, if this uh, food here or whatever item does not belong to the king, 
then all the fruit in the world will be prohibited to me. So since you make it an if then, and uh, no one would want to have such a, a stringent prohibition upon themselves, then the rabbi will say, oh, I guess he means it because he wouldn't say that, you know, it'd be better for him to give up this basket of fruit than to prohibit himself from all fruit in the whole world. So it must mean that he's telling the truth. All right. So that's how you would do it. But now we have a question even on that. Hold on. Forget the, the, uh, the fact that this is um, un under duress. Um, it, it, and, and just in a regular case, if someone would say a language like that, that the, all the fruit in the world should be pro pro prohibited to me, would that even take effect? It's too uh, overwhelming. It's impossible to fulfill. It'd be like making a vow that I'm not going to breathe, right? Does that mean that all fruit in the whole world forever for my whole life is going to be prohibited to me? Um, it must, a person could not possibly mean that literally. So how, how would that even take effect? Uh, even without the duress. So we answer, no, it would have to be somewhat something with a, some kind of time limit. Right, that a person can say, I'm going to not have any fruit in the whole world today, right? And if I do, um, if, if I do have fruit, uh, yeah, if, if this is not whatever the if condition is, then I will not have fruit today. That is possible to fulfill, so that's a valid vow. So it must be that he added a time limit and he said something like today, right? Hold on. But now you made it too little because if the robber comes and says, you know, take give me that basket of fruit, I say it's Tiruma, and then and I make a vow and I say, if this is not Tiruma, then I will not eat any fruit today. That's too little. And he's going to say, oh, that's just a small vow that you made. I don't believe you. Um, and then he will take it. So it can't be too, too little. It can't be forever because that would not be valid. It can't be just today because that would not can be convincing. So rather, it must be, oh, Here's what happens. He, he, uh, he says out loud, if this is not Tiruma, then, uh, then uh, all fruit in the world will be prohibited to me. And it sounds like to the robber that he says prohibited forever. So it's like, oh, well, it's very serious that he's saying that he must be telling the truth. But in your mind, you just add another word, all food will be prohibited to me today, right? You don't say it out loud, but that's what you're thinking. You didn't say either way. You didn't say explicitly all fruit will be prohibited forever. You just said all fruit will be prohibited to me. But you didn't give a time limit, so you left it open-ended. Open open-ended means he will assume I mean forever, but I know that I mean today. And that is, that's a way you can do it. Even though in general, in a regular case, if there's no robber here, we say that the words that are in one's mind are not words. If you have a mental condition, I don't mean that you're mentally impaired. I mean, if you have a condition that you're thinking of only in your mind and you don't say it, that's not valid. Uh, and you can't say, well, I only, um, I was thinking when I said that monopoly money, I was thinking, right, only that uh, when I said I'm not going to eat meat, I was thinking only for two minutes. No, uh, the, you, you can't make a condition in your mind that's not valid in general. But when it's honest, when the robber is there and uh, he's going to threaten to kill you or to steal what you have and you're under duress, then we'll allow the mental 
uh, stipulation to apply and so that would be the case that's uh, right in the middle not too much not too little and it'll be convincing to the robber um, because it sounds like it's forever even though in your own mind it meant only today and so that would be the formulation that would work Good. Next, Bet Shemay Omrim Bakol, Bet Shemay Omrim Bamesh Hu Madiro, Bet Hillel Omrim Af Be Sheeno Madiro. Right. Bet Shemay in the Mishnah said that you can use any kind of neder that you want, but he didn't. Not a shivua. The rest of this is all a quote from the Mishnah. It's a pretty long quote from the Mishnah. We're actually we're not actually going to even need all of it, uh, but nevertheless, at least in this version, some manuscripts don't have this whole thing. Uh, but it's reviewing the Mishnah. And the Bet Shammai says um, you can only make a vow in what the uh, person asks you to make a vow. Like if it only says your wife, Bet Hillel says, I can add and volunteer uh, an even more stringent vow. If the, rab, if the uh, uh, robber said, uh, make a vow uh, that your wife will be prohibited to you if this is not Tiruma. And he says, my wife and my children, Bet Shemai says, his wife is permitted, but he added the children on his own, so the children are prohibited. Bet Hillel says, the whole thing is invalid, and even the, the wife and the children are all permitted. Now, we ask, Amar Abhuna, Tana, Bet Shemai Omrim, Lo Yiftach Lo Bishvu'ah, O Bet Hillel Omrim, Af Yiftach Lo Bishvu'ah. Abhuna brings a Braita, that's parallel to the Mishnah, but the language is different, and we're going to ask uh, two contradictions from the language of this Braita to the Mishnah. In this Braita, Bet Shemai says, he cannot initiate a vow. And Bet Hillel says, he can even initiate uh, a Shivu'ah. And Bet Hillel says, you can even initiate a Shivu'ah. Now, we can make two inferences from this Baraita that will be against the Mishnah. First, the Bet Shammai bishvu'ahu delo yiftachlo, ha-beneder yiftachlo. According to Bet Shammai, he only says that you, the um, person being robbed cannot initiate a shivu'ah. But we can infer from that that a neder, he can initiate. Hold on, that contradicts our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, Bet Shammai says, you can't take a Shivwa at all, and a Neder, you cannot initiate, you can only respond with a Neder. So the Braita says he can initiate a Neder, Mishnah says he cannot initiate a Neder. Which one is it? Second, the second inference is that, yes, you can't initiate a Shavu'ah, um, but if the guy says, make a Shavu'ah, then you can respond and make a Shavu'ah, according to Bet Shammai. Hold on, in our Mishnah, Bet Shammai says, you can make any kind of neder, but you cannot make a Shavu'ah at all, even if it's only responding to a request for a Shavu'ah. So we have two contradictions here. How are we going to solve it? Answer Tana Matnitin Beneder Lodiacha Kochan de Bet Shamai Tana Beraita Bishwa Lodiacha Kochan de Bet Shamai. In fact, the Beraita and the Mishnah agree with each other. And you can't make those inferences that you made because they are emphasizing one or the other to show the strength either of Bet Shamai or Bet Hilel. In the Mishnah, it mentions only Neder. 
um, because it wants to show you to what extent Bet Shammai goes to that they say you can only say a neder and even a neder only in response. But you can never make a shivua not even in response and you cannot initiate a neder. But I wanted to emphasize the neder to show you the extent of Bet Shammai. Whereas the Braita, Braita only mentions shivua. And I wanted it to be parallel. So I mentioned Shavuah to show you the strength of Betilel, that according to Betilel, you can initiate even a Shavuah. So to keep the parallelism, it said that according to Bet Shammai, you cannot initiate with a Shavuah. But in fact, it would just use Shavuah to show the strength of Betilel. The truth is, for Bet Shammai, you cannot initiate not even with a Neder, and you can't make a Shavuah at all. Okay, that's all one answer. Rav Hashem has a completely different answer. Rav Hashem ar hachi katane. Bet Shammai omrim en she'ela bishvu'ah. Bet Hillel omrim yesh she'ela bishvu'ah. Rav Hashem says the word. This does not talk about a context of uh, someone forcing you, uh, a, a robber, or anything like that. No, the word potchin here does not mean um, uh, the the in the brayta. Yeah, the word lo yiftach doesn't mean to initiate. But rather, it means to undo a vow, solve, right, resolve, absolve a vow. We're talking about the uh, uh, absolving vows, and that's what Avash is saying, that Rechamai says, you cannot uh, request undoing of a shivua. A shivua, because it's so serious, you can't go to a rabbi and say, um, you know, uh, can you uh, have extenuating circumstances under the Shavua? You can't do that. All right, only for a neder you can. Whereas Betilel says, yes, she'ela. Right? That's what it means when it says potchin. Um, what he means is that you can request to undo and dissolve uh, even not only an edir, but even a shivua. So you see how a braita, that word yiftach, is ambiguous and uh, therefore um, can mean something completely different. We now begin the next Mishnah that's going to make a subtle distinction between two formulas. If a person says that these trees, these saplings, uh, will be korban, he's donating them, uh, making them holy, uh, if they are not cut down, right? If they won't be cut, if they will be cut down, well, then they're destroyed. Cut down here means by human hands or by a wind, uh, anyway, so then they'll be destroyed. But if they're not cut down, then I am going to make them korban. Or if he says, this uh, uh, talit doesn't have to mean like talit, like we say with sisit. It means a, a piece of clothing, a cloth, a, a, a garment or a, a blanket uh, will be korban, will be prohibited as donated as holy if it's not burnt up. Right? If it's burnt up, it's destroyed. But if it's not burnt up, I'm going to make it holy. Yesh lahen pijon, one can redeem it. So you see here, this is not the sense of uh, neder, probably not a sense of neder as is prohibited, but rather that I'm donating it to the Bet HaMikdash, making it holy. But if it's not an animal that, that I can bring, then I can always redeem the holiness into money. And then the value of that money, that money I'll give, but the item itself then no longer has Kodesh. But these vows are valid and I would have to redeem it. However, if I say these saplings will be Korban until they get cut down, right? They're gonna, from right now, going forward, 
they are korban until the point that they are destroyed. Uh, or this, uh, uh, this garment is korban until it gets burnt up. Well, then once it gets burnt up, it's destroyed. But from now until then, yes, it will be holy. And the hand pijon, then you cannot redeem it. It is holy, so the vow, the vow does work. But the second I redeem it, it's still there. Uh, it's still not cut down. It's still not uh, burnt. And so it just becomes holy once again. And so that cannot be redeemed. Okay, now we ask. How come the Mishnah doesn't use language of uh, that this will be consecrated or not consecrated if not? Why does he use the language of pijon? Like once it's consecrated, then you can uh, do, then you can redeem it. Why, why using the solution to the consecration, the way to get out of it? Why not just tell us straightforward? Uh, if you use this formula, it will be consecrated. If not, it's not not consecrated. Answer is I did the Balimitna Sefa and Lahem Pijon. Tanema Desha Yesh Lahem Pijon. The answer is that in the Resha, you're right. Technically you could have said in the Resha, if you say this language, then Kedoshot. But for the Sefa, it cannot use that because it's not simply true that when you say this language that these uh, saplings will be uh, consecrated until they get cut down. Of course, yes, they are consecrated, but not only that, there's a further chidush that you cannot redeem it, because every time you redeem it, they become reconsecrated again. And so to teach us that extra chidush, you have to say, en lahem pijon. Since in the sefa, it wanted to use a language that it does not have pijon, so in the resha, it uses the opposite, that these can be redeemed, right? But if you had only the resha itself, then you're right. It could have just said that these are consecrated when you say such language. Okay, so that answers the that answers the first question um, uh, to Pijon. Over here, it doesn't mean that you would say consecrated and, and not consecrated. In both cases of the Mishnah, it always is consecrated. It just means use that terminology of either consecrated or not consecrated. No, we're going to use Pijon to parallel the Sefa. Now, what language exactly are you using when you say this? Right, because you can't you can't leave it open ended to say if they are not cut down, then they'll be consecrated. They'll be not cut down when ever. Right, eventually they'll be cut down. I mean, the tree can last a long time. Maybe it'll last a, a thousand years, even more. But at some point it'll be cut down, so you can't just make it an open-ended with no time limit. So it must be that you said, if they're not cut down today, and then uh, the, the, the day uh, went by and they were not cut down, in that case it would be consecrated. Fine. But if that's the case, well, then what's the chidush of the Mishnah? Isn't that obvious that if I'm, it's a straightforward condition and vow, of course that would be an applicable vow. Oh, we're talking about a case where there is a big wind. And because it's so windy, it's like a hurricane. So I'm expecting that the hurricane is going to knock this tree down. And that's why I say, listen, if it doesn't, it's going to be knocked down. It's gone anyway. If it doesn't get, if it doesn't get knocked down that today, while it's during, during the storm, then I'll make it consecrated. That's what he means. So because this is a chidush, because he expects that it's probably going to be knocked down anyway, so I'm not going to have to consecrate it. You might have thought that 
he doesn't really mean to consecrate it, right? He's like, ah, oh, it's gone anyway. It may as well be consecrated, even if it doesn't not get knocked down. It'll be it'll, it'll be consecrated. But in his mind, because he for sure thought it was going to be knocked down and wasn't really entertaining the possibility, it's like a shigaga. If the uh, the storm passes and uh, it's it's uh, it's up uh, it's up and about, this is oh well, I didn't really mean to consecrate it, so he might have thought that the vow would be invalid, and that's why the Mishnah comes to teach us that in this case the Mishnah the, the vow is valid. Okay, good. Hold on, the Mishnah also gives example of a talit. So that's not talking about the wind. What is a talit? Is it uh, ready to be burned at, at any point? You know, it's not. Why would you say it's about to be burned? And we say, Yes, in fact, we're talking about a case where there is a fire nearby. And we see the garment there, and uh, then he's looking at the garment. Oh, my garment, look, it's going to be ruined. Look at, the, at that fire spreading. It's probably going to be destroyed. And so he says, uh, if, it's, if, if it's not destroyed, then it will be, uh, it will be korban, right? And it's a kind of a way of saying, I give up on it. Um, similar to today, if something breaks, uh, someone says, kapara, you lose something. Oh, this should be for atonement, right? Oh, well, what can I do? So same thing here, right? Uh, it's gone. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't burn up, I'll just make it consecrated. So it, it is, in fact, uh, he's expecting it to be burnt. If it turns out that it wasn't burned, well, you might have thought, So here, too, it's the same thing, that in the case of the uh, sapling, there is a big wind. And in both cases, I might have thought that because... Um, the have in my, my in my mind that they're not going to be saved for sure. This wind is going to knock it down for sure. The fire is going to burn it anyway, and therefore I did not fully commit to making this prohibition. So I might have thought that even if it's saved, the the vow is not does not apply. That's why the Mishnah is coming to teach us that the vow does apply, uh, even so. And we'll continue the analysis of this Mishnah on the next stuff. Baruch Adonai Amen.